Outlaw King. Back in my day, there was this badass Mel Gibson movie about the brutal fight for Scottish independence called Braveheart. Maybe you heard of it. Anyway, now we get this would-be sequel that barely leaves a mark. I was expecting a lot out of Outlaw King, but what I got instead was a choppy, passionless melee of... Wait, who's this guy? Why do I give a shit about Raising the Dragon? This music is freaking weird and doesn't belong. Is this even remotely historically accurate? Uh, this looks like a less well-executed Vikings episode. Oh, is that Aaron Taylor Johnson? There was a disclaimer about violence and sex. When will that be coming? So this one picks up almost exactly where Braveheart left off. William Wallace is in hiding after failing to win the Battle of Falkirk. Robert the Bruce, played by Chris Pine, and a bunch of other Scottish nobles are meeting with King Edward I, played by Delane, to submit to his rule. There's a power vacuum that was created where Robert and some guy named John Common, 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 John Common, I don't know, uh, played by Callan Mulvey, uh, they think they're the rightful heir to the Scottish throne, but there can be only one. So Robert plays nice with Edward I, and he's given Elizabeth Berg, Florence Pugh, a noblewoman from a family loyal to Edward. So Robert's first wife died at childbirth, so his daughter Marjorie, played by Josie O'Brien, is pretty thrilled when she gets a new mom. And Elizabeth is great with her. It's just one big, happy, forced family. I mean, sometimes these things work out. And historically, I checked, this arranged marriage actually did. So as Robert's father dies, he makes it known that Robert shouldn't trust King Edward I. And once William Wallace is finally dealt with by Edward, it's clear to Robert that Scotland wants vengeance for their martyr. Robert takes this opportunity to attempt to unite the Scottish nobles under his own rule. It's risky, because they have no reason to serve under Robert, especially not his mortal enemy, Common. So Robert sets up a meeting on sacred ground. Yes, this actually happened, and is probably why they make a big deal about this in the Highlander franchise. Anyway, he tries to get Common to join him, but Common is like, not only no, but hell no, and fuck you, buddy. I'm going to tell the king right after I leave here. So Robert kills him right there on holy ground. Historically speaking, this casts Robert as the perfect blasphemous villain, and King Edward uses it to rile up support to put down any further Scottish talk of independence. His son, Edward, Prince of Wales, played by Hal, raises an army under the dragon banner, whatever that means, led by the Earl of Pembroke, played by Spruill. You won't know any of these people's names except for Aaron Taylor Johnson's character, who makes damn sure no one will ever forget his name. No one in the United Kingdom ever has. So Robert crowns himself King of Scots and is under the impression that his noble peers will fight him with honor and respect his title. But once Edward I dies and Edward II takes power, there is no more understanding of nobility between the elites as they battle. Things finally get brutal, almost a full hour into the film, and there is sex and violence. Hooray! Let's face it, we aren't watching this film for its historical merits. We want to see some savage shit go down. At the Battle of Ludon Hill, Robert finally fights the English head-on and wins. This battle solidifies his stance as King of Scotland and assures his place in history and all our screens all these years later on Netflix. Look, I'm a sucker for these kinds of stories. I love Braveheart. I've seen every episode of Vikings on the History Channel. I lived over in Norway. I honeymooned in Northern Ireland because I'm a major Game of Thrones fan. I'm a history major and a bona fide biopic geek. So I wanted a lot from Outlaw King. Overall, I wasn't too disappointed, but I just never bought some of the more sentimental scenes. 
all the things that worked with Hell or High Water, directed by the same director, just didn't carry over well to Outlaw King. And that movie had an interesting message about the powers of the beast sticking it to the little guy. And I guess you could argue that's what Mackenzie wanted to tell American audiences about Robert the Bruce. And I'm all for opening up people to historically interesting characters. There's just something lacking with how that story was told here. So my good, bad, and ugly breakdown for Outlaw King. Good. It was historically interesting. I mean, it, make, it makes you want to do a little bit more research on the characters. Uh, James Douglas was very good. That's Aaron Taylor Johnson. Um, he stands out. Bad. Uh, it was pretty slow developing. Like I said, it was about an hour before any real action starts to take place. And who's this? Who's that? Why do we care? I had no idea who any of these people were. Um, every once in a while, calling the character by their name would have helped out a little bit. And it was a bit corny. Um, the costumes were just not really weathered enough, I guess you would say. Just things like that. Ugly, the disemboweling scene uh, was pretty disgusting, as you would imagine. Um, also, choking the swans, I guess that's historically accurate. Um, and then James Douglas, he does get pretty ugly at the end there. So, If you're a fan of Vikings on the History Channel, or you're a fan of Game of Thrones, Braveheart, any of those kind of historical things, then you'll probably like the Outlaw King.